So if you have your Bibles, if you open up with me to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And we're going to be in James chapter 2, in the first 13 verses, let's read. It says, My brethren, do not hold faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come in your assembly a man with gold rings, in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you say, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves, and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? Verse 6, but you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are, tra- and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Verse 10, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So this is going to be broken down into five different sections, this portion of Scripture. Uh, verse 1 is going to establish the principle of partiality. Verses 2 through 4 speaks of the partiality that has no place among Christians. Verses 5 through 7, man's partiality, it speaks of man's partiality and how it rarely agrees with God's heart. Verses 8 through 9 speaks of partiality being condemned by the scripture and then verses 10 through 13 it is the speaking of the matter of obeying all of God's commands so the first seven verses it's going to speak a lot about it's going to touch a lot about partiality and favoritism I'm sure we've all had friends and family members who you know you have the favorite uncle or the favorite aunt you know who always you know slipped you a five dollar bill every time you go and visit them or, or you have, you know, your favorite coworkers. Oh, man, I have to work with this guy. You know, you, we all have in some way, shape, or form partiality in our hearts. And James is going to kind of slap us in the face a little bit talking about this. And so going into verses 1 through 4 again, it says, My brethren, do not hold the Lord of glory with partiality. So we see in verse 1, right off the bat, our faith in the Lord should never have to do with anything with partiality. Partiality, the definition of partiality, it means this. It means an unfair bias in favor of one thing or person compared with another. It's also defined as favoritism. Deuteronomy Chapter 10, verse 17. You guys don't have to turn there. But it says this, For the Lord God, for the Lord your God, 
is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. And you guys, there's, there's a bunch of more verses I can pull up on partiality, on favoritism, and how we shouldn't do it. And so what are we seeing here? What, 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 what are we seeing with, with this verse, and not just in this verse, but in other portions of Scripture? What is it showing us? I think it's pretty clear that as children of God, as people who call ourselves like Christ, who Christ, not showing any partiality, healing the lame, the lepers, loving the children, men and women. He didn't show partiality, did he? So why should we? We as Christians, Christ followers, partiality should not be what we do, you guys. And then we see in verses 2 and 3, it says, For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, you sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit here at my footstool. We're going to stop right there. James is giving us a picture. He's painting us a picture of an example of partiality. Just imagine being, being in here. You, know, you have a homeless guy comes in. He doesn't smell very well. Um, greasy hair. Clothes are tattered. He comes in. And then you got a guy who comes in in, um, in, a, in a Gucci suit with super expensive cologne, a Rolex watch. Hair is all slicked back. He looks great. Who would you rather sit next to? Who would the world rather sit next to? I think, obviously, the guy who looks nice, right? But we're not of this world. We are called to not show partiality with anybody. In verse 4, Have you not shown partiality among yourselves? And become judges with evil thoughts. James calls us out on those thoughts, you guys. And he's he's blunt about it. He says it right then and there. We've all thought that at one time or another, right? Pastor Chuck, I was reading some commentary on him and he in, uh, on on this portion of scripture, and he was speaking of a story of his dad. They used to go to the, uh, a Calvary in Ventura, which is about an hour north of, of L.A. area. And um, his dad used to be a prison minister. He would go every Sunday after church, and he would go and minister to some of these prisoners. And a lot of time, he had a big impact on these guys' lives. And they would get out, and they would, they would look him up. And they would find out what church he's at, and they would go there. Well, one day, this guy, his name was George, I don't know if that was actually his name or not. That's what the story said. But this guy, George, he, he comes to this church. He finds his dad, Pastor Chuck's dad, 
And he was jumping from homeless shelter to homeless shelter. And so he had a, if you've ever been to homeless shelters, they have this weird smell to them. It's just the sanitation that they use in these buildings. Well, this guy, he smelled like, he just smelled funky. And this dad, and, and his dad, he, uh, he ushered him right to the front. Not only did he get to the front, though, but he, he sat there with him. Not showing partiality. He loved him the way Christ loves us. He didn't show partiality. Because partiality in Christianity is carnality, you guys. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Well, if the Lord looks at the heart, shouldn't we do the same? Isn't that what Pastor Chuck's dad did? Isn't that what Jesus did? Look at the heart, you guys, not the flesh, not the clothes, not the cars that people drive, not the houses they live in. It's the heart. Verses five through seven. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? So in this portion, James is speaking of how man's heart, man's partiality rarely agrees with God. We see in verse 5 that James tells us that the poor will be, will be rich in, God's, in the faith of God and heirs to the kingdom. Well, J.J., why, why, only the, why only the poor? Why not the rich too? The rich can be too. But listen to this in Matthew Chapter 19, verse 24, it says this. It says, And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I think we all know that the riches of this world, the things of this world, can be a pretty big distraction, right? ...to the kingdom of heaven. And why is that? What does the world tell us? Why is it such a big struggle for us to want things of this world? Why does it get in the way? Well, let's look, at, let's look at TV for one, all those commercials. You have to have the nice cars to be happy. You have to live in the big old houses to be joyful, to have big checkbooks, big wallets. That's how you're happy in this world. But like I said earlier, we're not of this world. The poor man doesn't have those things. He doesn't rely on his wallet. He relies on his faith. A lot more than the rich man would. Are we the rich man, you guys, or are we the poor man? We need to have the attitude. We need to have the heart, the faith of the poor man. Because on this earth, everything that we have, it's worthless. It's nothing. It'll crumble, it'll rot. 
and it's not going to last. But that poor man, he will be rich in heaven. That's what I want. That's what we should go for every day. Verses 6 and 7. But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? So we see in these two verses that the riches of this world, they can, they can corrupt us. They can bring evil to us. James is reminding us that the rich man often can sin against us. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You hear of all these actors committing suicide, overdosing, getting arrested. They've strayed from the one thing that's actually going to complete them in their lives. They've chosen to ignore that. They've shown partiality to their money, to their houses their cars. Pierce themselves through with many sorrows. None of that is going to make them happy. None of that is going to complete them. We all know there's only one thing that will ever, ever complete us, that will ever make us whole, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not worth it lose your soul to the things of this world. Be the poor man. Verses 8 and 9. It says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Notice in verse 8, It says, if you really fulfill the royal law. It doesn't say if you kind of fulfill the royal law or if you mostly fulfill the royal law. It's if you really fulfill the royal law. According to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. And when he says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, he's quoting Leviticus 19.18, you guys. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. And what's one of the greatest commandments that God gives us in, the, in his word? Exactly that. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Now let's go back to favoritism. When we show favoritism, we're not loving anybody as ourselves. You've just chosen to be disobedient to God. You've chosen to not really fulfill the royal law. 
and verse 9, the next verse, James calls us out. He says, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Partiality. We try to justify it sometimes. by saying, oh, I'm just loving on them because they need it more. Or I'm just loving on them. But are you loving on everybody else as well? The problem isn't loving certain people or isn't, isn't loving on them. That's not the problem, you guys. The problem is only choosing to love them and not love everybody else. How can we say that we are loving our neighbors when we're only choosing, picking and choosing which ones to love? We're not. We're not loving our neighbors. We're showing partiality. We're breaking the royal law. In verses 10 through 13, it says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so we see in verse 10 that James is talking about how even if you go just against one of God's commandments, you guys, you break all of them. I heard a great analogy. You write the Ten Commandments on a mirror. And you throw a rock and choose one to break. What's going to happen to that mirror? It's going to break all of them. We don't get to be selective in what we want to do and what we don't want to do. We don't get to pick and choose what laws, what commandments to obey. Oh, it's just, it's just a little lie. It's not a big deal. I'm just, I'm just stealing a pack of gum. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. Yes, it is. You're picking and choosing what's okay and what's not okay. It's not for you to decide what's okay and what's not okay. To be partial to certain ones, to choose certain ones and not do the others. God's law is God's law. And we need to be submissive and be obedient. And how do we do that? By staying in his word, by praying without ceasing, by abiding, by fellowshipping, ironing sharp, iron sharpening iron. In verse 11, when it says he, it says for he who said, Obviously, it's speaking of the Lord. Do not commit adultery. also said, do not murder. There's a solution to all this, you guys. And simple, like I just said. Just constantly being the Lord. 
in verse 12. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. James is telling us to act on that forgiveness that we get from the Lord, that we have all ultimately received. Because we're all under the law of the Lord, right? The law of liberty. But we're also made free because of it. We're under it, but we're also made free because of it, because of Jesus. Verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. If we have no mercy towards others, how can we expect to receive mercy from the Lord? We can't. It says at the end of it, mercy triumphs. Mercy will win over a strict, harsh judgment, you guys. Wouldn't we rather give mer- and show mercy than be judged harshly for not giving it? The mercy that we put into others, you guys, like not being partial to people, that mercy will, give him, will be given back to us on the day of judgment. Or we'll be spared from that judgment. Praise God. God shows us mercy every day. Do we deserve it? No. Of course not. But he gives it to us. Why should we not give it to others? Show them the mercy of God. Show them what we receive every day from the Lord. Pray without ceasing. Be in his word every day. And you'll be better for it. You'll be able to show that mercy. Being grounded in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you, and as we just spend this next 15, 20 minutes in in just a time of prayer, Father God, as we just come before you, Lord, may we just humble ourselves. Lord, may we just, Father, I just come before you on hands and knees and just praise you, Lord, for that mercy that you show us every day. Lord, I pray that as we pray, though, that everything will just be answered according to your will and purpose, Father God, and You just want to glorify this time in Jesus' name.